Hey there and welcome to the 17X podcast series where we chat with amazing people from all over the world on how they are using their business to create outcomes aligned with the sustainable development goals. We hear from entrepreneurs, social innovators and change makers and everyday business owners using their business and brands as a source for good. So sit back, get inspired with me as we hear from these amazing people telling their story of purpose and impact. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Today's conversation is with Liz Manning, who is the responsible business manager at the Intrepid Travel Group. You're about to hear an interesting conversation about how a big business is delivering local impacts all around the world from gender equality through to climate action and reducing their carbon footprint internationally. It's a fascinating conversation with one of our 17X Melbourne speakers. So if you're in Melbourne and you wanna hear Liz talk more about Intrepid, make sure you come along to our event on the 24th of October. But for now, sit back and enjoy the show and don't forget to subscribe wherever you're listening to catch up on our future episodes. Okay, guys, welcome back to the 17X podcast. Uh, Today, we have a cool chat with Liz Manning from the Intrepid Group. Welcome. Thanks for having me. So um, I always love to start with a little bit of an icebreaker. Um, Can you tell us what's been the highlight for you in 2019? Personally or professionally? Either or, whatever you like. (laughs) Uh, Well, we'll dive into the professional, I guess, aspect first. It's just this year has been a really fantastic year for myself personally and professionally. Uh, There's been a lot of great, I guess, achievements within the Intrepid group, um, which we can talk to this morning, just around, I guess, um, strengthening the support that we're providing to build more of a community of like-minded kind of sustainably focused businesses. Cool. And you do have a personal highlight happening at the moment. Do you want to share that? I do. We decided to be really ambitious this year and buy a house, renovate a house and have our first baby, which is coming just before Christmas. So 2019 has been a very, very um, wonderful, but uh, really busy year. Yeah, that's cool. That's like two big ticks in one year. So that's cool. I did exactly the same thing a few years ago. So um, it's always a fun roller coaster to get to the end of that year and you go, wow, we just did a house and a baby and I did a business in the same year. And you go, oh, what did we just do? (laughs) (laughs) Thumbs up. And for anyone listening, um, Liz is actually one of our speakers at our 17X Melbourne event. Um, And I only just found out that you're pregnant. So (laughs) I really appreciate it. (laughs) the stage and uh and sharing with us what you're up to in a few weeks time so um can you tell the audience uh i guess uh what your role is in intrepid and um what it encompasses sure so for those that don't know about intrepid we are um the world's largest provider of adventure travel experiences with a really big focus on sustainable experience rich travel So again, just a bit of background, Um, the company was started in Melbourne back in 1989 um, in a tiny little office in Fitzroy and now has about 2,100, I think uh, around 1,900 actually, I think uh, full-time employees in 40 offices. So my role at Intrepid is really focused around our uh, sustainability initiatives. So both social and environmental, whether it be kind of business initiatives, a lot of policy and training, Um, But a lot of the work that we're doing as well around advocacy and building a bigger community, both within the travel industry and then with other like-minded businesses in other sectors. 
Yeah, awesome. And so just for context, your the title of your role is Sustainable Business Manager, is that right? It's the Responsible Business Manager. Responsible, yeah. better word. Awesome. Yeah. And so before we get into how Intrepid delivers on all of that, um, what's your story? Did we your I guess your origin story that led you into Intrepid? Have you always been in the sustainable space? Were you doing other things? Yeah, so I'm originally from Canada um, and I had uh, was really interested in international development and community development, um, political science and those, I guess, topics, which led me to do an international development degree. Through that degree, um, I really started to question what kind of career path that was going to set me on and was interested in community development, but not necessarily a lot of other people in the course and friends were pursuing roles within government agencies that were implementing a lot of overseas aid. And I was really keen to look more at, I guess, the opportunities for businesses to be supporting communities and ways that businesses, I guess, could be doing better. Um, and then interestingly came to Australia back in 2005 and was working in the diving industry. And I was working on a sailboat in the Whit Sundays, um, which was incredible, but definitely probably kind of sparked a real interest in tourism. Uh, and I guess the opportunity to kind of weave in a lot of those other interests. So I uh, had, I guess the first seven years of my career was with another adventure travel company in Canada. And then I decided uh, to, I guess, kind of combine the practical ex expertise that I had to go back and study and went to the UK because there was a lot of really interesting things that were being done within, I guess, the tourism industry and sort of the sustainability sector and felt like that was a good opportunity to kind of upskill. And it was just after I finished my degree in responsible tourism management that a role came up at Intrepid. I'd worked really closely with Intrepid um, while working for another adventure travel company and was really familiar with, I guess, their reputation as a leader in the space. So it was a really incredible opportunity, I think, to come to this within the business and also relocate to Australia and come to Melbourne. So that was sort of the journey. And I think what's really exciting is that you their tourism has, I guess, the opportunity to create a lot of impacts, which potentially can be both negative and positive. Um, but it's an exciting time, I think, with a business that's always been really committed to creating positive benefits and impacts, that there's a growing, I think, appreciation and interest on the part of travelers to look for different kinds of experiences um, and to move away from what was more sort of traditional bus tours and to pursue the kinds of travel that we offer, which is all around like small group and really kind of being more immersive in um, local destinations and communities using local transportation, local hotels, which have, I guess, the opportunity, like I've been talking about, to provide, I guess, greater impact for local communities if it's managed well. Yeah, sure. I think it kind of leads me into our next question that you just touched on there. So Intrepid as a, as a travel organization is an end-to-end -end business, right? You don't, you don't outsource or wholesale the actual experiences on the ground. Is that correct? Yeah, in terms of the structure, for those that don't know, a lot of travel companies, we are a bit different in the sense that we're vertically integrated. So a lot of travel companies would work with, you know, larger companies would work with hundreds, if not thousands of different operators and suppliers. So if you're walking into a shop, 
the tour that you're purchasing may not necessarily be run by that specific brand. Where we're different is that we've got around 25 of our own operational offices overseas, which are all legally registered, and they operate the vast majority of our trips. In addition, and that brand is, um, or business is Peak DMC, and DMC stands for Destination Management Companies. Um, we do also operate a number of trips for other brands as well outside of Intrepid, but Intrepid would be obviously sort of the biggest brand and the most well-known. Yeah, sure. Okay. And, and Intrepid is a B Corp company, is that right? You guys are? We are. We are. We became B Corp certified in June of last year. So we're just preparing to go through the recertification process again next year. Um, but a, it was a exciting but challenging process given the complexity of the business and the fact that we're operating in all these different countries. Yeah. Uh, I think in initial discussions, um, you know, there was, I think there was an assumption that we could probably get it across the line in a few months and it took us three years. You know, everyone that I talk to that has, you know, a bigger business than you know, a single site, so to speak. So they're operating at least nationally or possibly even internationally. Um, they all say the same thing. They looked at B Corp Cert as an opportunity to do something within three or four months, and it was two years later that things happened. Um, yeah. so anyone listening that's not aware of what B Corp are all about, Google B Corp, go and check it out. It's the benchmark for this entire space. Um, so can you tell us a bit about, you mentioned things like sustainable travel experiences. Um, you know, you are a member of B Corp. You're doing things differently. How has Intrepid delivered on that in the last few years? Um, in terms of sustainability or responsible business? Yeah, so I guess a couple of the, I'd highlight, you know, we can talk about some of the challenges too, but some of the great sort of wins for us. A couple of, around three years ago, we uh, set a goal to double the number of, of female leaders and guides within the business of our female tour leaders. While a lot of our head office and other office and operational staff are predominantly women, slight majority, a lot of our travelers are single women, but really acknowledging that the number of, of staff that we had operating and leading our trips was predominantly men. And so we've made a goal to try and double the number of female leaders and actually achieve that goal early. And that a lot, you know, the credit goes to our general managers in our um, local offices who've done an incredible amount of work with uh, I guess getting a bit more creative in terms of recruitment and not necessarily just staying within the tourism industry to try and recruit guides. We now have incredible women who've come from, you know, professional backgrounds as lawyers, as professors, as teachers, and in a lot of different fields who have pursued leading. Um, our Zena, who is our regional GM um, for Europe and Africa, did quite a bit of work within Morocco of actually lobbying or working with advocating within the government to provide uh, permits to women so some countries you do need to have licenses and permits and there are a lot of barriers in place which mean that women don't have those opportunities so that's been really fantastic um, and I guess our focus really for this year has been more around our environmental impact so we have been a uh, carbon neutral business since back in 2010 so we measure aim to reduce the emissions from our trips and our offices and what we can't reduce, we do offset. Uh, we decided this year to really start focusing on reducing our environmental footprint, going above and beyond just offsetting, and really looking at how we could create, I guess, positive environmental benefits. 
Um, there's been a lot of work that's been done um, and that we're doing right now. One of those is setting science-based reduction targets. So rather than, you know, setting our own sort of goals, it's bringing in external and external consultancy called Endeavor Environmental, who've been really fantastic at kicking off a piece of work to look at, you know, what are um, likely, I guess, in the growth of our environmental footprint and the trajectories over the next five to 10 years so that we can identify what are some ways that we can reduce our footprint. There's things that we've been doing up to this point, like we're using a lot of um, really great uh, high-speed rail on our trips versus flights. Um, but there's a lot more work that we can be doing to, you know, move a lot of our offices into using renewables and um, and some changes that we can make to our itineraries that'll still create a really fantastic experience for our customers, but reducing our environmental footprint. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, you mentioned there that you had some hurdles getting permits for women to work in some of these places. Are there any other major challenges that you've experienced in the last few years trying to integrate responsible and sustainable business practice? I guess, well, one of the challenges that we're seeing right now that's a very current one is around setting these, you know, reduction targets. Um, I think more and more travelers are looking to, especially with a lot of the other countries where our travelers come from, it's not just within Australia, it's global. Uh, and if you look at places like North America, where unfortunately a lot of people have very limited vacation time, and most people want to see and travel, I guess, and cover off more destinations in a shorter amount of time, which often means a lot of internal flights. And we do acknowledge that, you know, flying is usually the biggest, um, the highest emitter of anyone's trip is an overseas or internal flight while they're in that country. So those are some challenges is trying to reconcile, you know, creating a really incredible customer experience for someone who may not necessarily, you know, who traditionally were totally fine as a backpacker to do an overnight train, um, to other travelers that that's not necessarily what they're looking for out of their experience and they do want to have a quick internal flight. So it's, it's identifying where we have the opportunity to make those changes without sacrificing, you know, the customer experience and still keeping, you know, cost competitive is a bit of a challenge. Um, and I think also just in terms of training and communicating this, it's something that we've been talking about for quite a while. Um, and I think given the last few weeks with the climate strike and I guess greater awareness and understanding that this really is a climate crisis, um, I do think that there's work that we can do to really train our staff and our customers about the things that we're doing to make, I guess, their trip more environmentally responsible. Um, but just making, I guess, a lot of the deeper science a little bit more accessible for most people and to make it feel a little bit less daunting and overwhelming and, you know, Yes, it's a crisis, but there are things that we can be doing now to try and change the trajectory that we're on. Yeah, sure. I, I think um, some of what you spoke there about was, uh, you know, having the balance between your customer experience and delivering, you know, a responsible slash sustainable product. Um, and I'd assume some education comes comes into that for your customers as well. Looking at how you get your team on board, a lot of people that are listening to this, you know, we we, we do tend to, reach a lot of small business owners, um, people in the SME space that are looking for ways to integrate with the global goals. Um, and quite often we we get questions or I get questions around, well, how do I get my team on board? Like how does Intrepid engage these, these you know, internal campaigns or internal focuses with the team? You know, you've got 1,900 people across the business. 
Yeah, I guess it's that, you know, people that are coming to work into the, you know, to some degree, and I'm sure this would be the case with a lot of um, other smaller businesses, they are already probably somewhat recognized as a business that's, you know, trying to be sustainable. So that naturally is going to attract, I think, staff who are pretty passionate um, and see the value in, uh, you know, making business decisions and operating in a way that's creating, I guess, better benefit. I think just keeping people engaged in the process and having that open communication. So, you know, James Thornton, who's our CEO, does regular company updates. Um, we've got representation from different areas of the business, um, which I think just helps that transparent communication flow. There's also a lot of opportunity for staff to put forward ideas and make suggestions and look for ways that they can, I guess, get more involved. Um, we, we, you know, as a business, we're really focused on, yes, we want to um, have a purpose in addition to being profitable, but those two things are not exclusive of one another. And I think if you kind of, you know, create the messaging and so that staff understand that to be, you know, the more profitable you are, the better you'll be positioned to create opportunities for staff, but also to invest in, you know, sustainability practices and being more innovative. But I think just carrying them and keeping them on in the journey and having a seat at the table. And I think also not being afraid to have everything perfect before you're talking to your staff about it or you're talking to your customers about it. You know, I think there are some companies yeah. that are really, really hesitant um, and maybe a bit risk averse that they don't want to really, you know, announce a new environmental program until it's been tested, signed, sealed and delivered. But I think it's important for your staff to feel like your motivations are authentic, to include them in those processes, to be transparent about, you know, what are the opportunities that you have? What are maybe some things that are cost prohibitive? You know, because everyone will come to the table with a lot of great ideas of changes that they want to implement. And I guess talking to sort of your strategy and talking to what are your plans over the next two or three years and ways that you can build on some of the practices and also not trying to do too much, which I think entrepreneurial businesses get really amped up. Um, you know, you try and cover off a lot of community initiatives, social initiatives, environment. I think just choosing a couple of things to really focus on and do well is going to help you in terms of your performance and help for staff to really understand what's their role in driving those things. Yeah, sure. That's such a great piece of advice, you know, in terms of uh, just find one or two things to start with and get good at it and then scale from there. And that's where, you know, I find that these, you know, the global goals, there's 17 goals, they're very macro, you can get very micro, you can pick one that resonates with you and your team and then away you go. I did had an interesting conversation with a guy uh, who has a team of about 25 and he let them choose the first one, which was a great way to obviously engage them and get them involved. Um, but yeah, I love, I love that piece of advice there. Um, so looking at the global goals, you know, how does Intrepid work towards the SDGs? Yeah, so we've been a signatory to the United Nations Global Compact since back in 2008. So it over that time has become, you know, a part of, I guess, our business operations and the ways that, you know, being a UNGC signatory kind of drive us to create, um, they were, you know, one requirement is to create a communication on progress report, which is kind of morphed now into us creating a much bigger annual report. Um, but I think for us as a business, we're trying to over time really sort of streamline. There's a lot of different things that we do that I haven't even covered off today. 
it's, the business is still has a very strong entrepreneurial spirit and wants to do a lot. But I think we're trying to, um, you know, the piece of advice that I gave is based on our own practice is just picking a few that we really feel like we can influence um, and change. You know, we talked about gender equality, um, a lot of the work that we've been doing around climate action. Um, and the, we also have our own um, nonprofit foundation, the Intrepid Foundation. And the focus of the foundation historically, so it was set up back in 2002 as a way for staff, but mostly for our travelers to give back to the places that they were traveling, to support a lot of grassroots, um, either small local NGOs or other larger, larger organizations that were tackling issues that were closely aligned with kind of the way that we were operating and the places that we're traveling. And over time, that grew into, and the foundation's been really successful. It's raised like seven and a half million since 2002. Wow. But over that time, and that's, you know, from support from travelers, staff, and obviously um, from the business, but we were supporting a whole range of different kinds of projects, which were conservation, uh, education, health. Uh, I think at one point we had about 45 different partners that were covering off a lot of different areas. And the decision was made to be a bit more strategic and really tie the foundation's work into supporting you in SDG number eight, which is all around uh, fair work. Uh, decent work for all. So I think that's been the focus over the last, I'd say, about two years, is looking for and identifying partners and programs that will create, uh, you know, better livelihoods, supporting skills training, because that's also as a business where there's the great greatest, I guess, opportunity for us is around job creation. You know, so much of our trips and our itineraries are really the heart of them are around local experiences. Uh, you know, local restaurants, local markets, it's a, you know, diverse supply chain. And it's where do we have the opportunity to support people in setting up their own businesses um, and creating, you know, better employment opportunities and alternative livelihoods and all of those things. So yes, there's still some strong elements of the foundation that are focused on environmental conservation, but it's trying to tie it back to that opportunity for job creation, fair work and skills training where we think that we can have, I guess, the most impact. That's epic. That just sounds like, I've, I've, I, as you were saying that all, I'm picturing it in my head and just seeing, you know, this huge amount of progress and impact being created. And particularly, I love the idea of engaging the local community businesses to, to be a part of the experience that you deliver through, through your customers. So that's epic. Um, you've mentioned a few times around climate's been a massive focus for Intrepid, particularly the last few years. Um, and in, in our pre-chat to this, you mentioned you've got some cool goals moving forward for 2020. Um, can you tell us a bit about the, the whole climate campaign that you've been working on? Sure. So I guess we set a goal to be climate positive by 2020. What does that mean? That I talked about it a little bit, but it means going above just offsetting you know, your emissions, measuring and offsetting, but trying to create, I guess, bigger environmental impacts, positive benefit. So a few things that we're doing that we've started kind of this year but are really going to focus on for next year is one will be uh, continuing to offset and offset 125% of our emissions, so going above and beyond our footprint. Nice. But most importantly, it's great to offset, but you really have to look at what are the other opportunities around your operations. Our probably, I think, one of our most successful campaigns for the foundation has been it's an Australian initiative or project. I'm not sure how many of you have seen 2040, 
yeah. um, which was a film, yeah, that was released this year. A good one to watch if you haven't seen it yet and very, very topical. The foundation originally provided a $100,000 donation to help with the production of the film. But out of that, uh, formed a partnership with the Climate Foundation and the University of Tasmania, which is a really cool seaweed regeneration project. Uh, I think it's just off Bruny Island, which is all about creating these seaweed platforms, which can act as like carbon sinks, um, creating employment opportunities, and there's all kinds of great social and environmental uh, impacts of that project. But I was pretty blown away. I mean, I'm really passionate about it as a scuba diver and someone who loves the ocean. Yeah. But, you know, we had a lot of discussion. It would be interesting to see whether that project resonated with people. And it definitely did. I think we've raised to date around $420,000 for that project, wow. which is massive. So I think going forward, a few things that we still need to crack is, um, you know, reduction of plastic on our trips. Um, is a big one, which sounds like a simple one. A lot of people are, you know, a lot of travel companies have come out and saying that they're banning single-use plastic in the next year. Yes, but I think a lot of, if you dig a little deeper, a lot of companies are just removing single-use plastic bottles um, mm. from handing them out to their customers. But I think there's a lot more that we can be doing behind the scenes. Sure. That's something that we're going to be focusing on, but we really feel like as a business, we need to look bigger at our own uh, footprint and where we can take greater responsibility. And one of those uh, components of that will be that from 2020, we'll actually be offsetting anyone who, so just to back up a step, for those that don't know, anyone that travels with us, our trips start and end in those destinations. So if you're going to Vietnam with us, you would make your own way to Hanoi, and there would be a meeting point on day one at a particular hotel. That gives people the flexibility, given that our um, customers are coming from all over the world, can then pick and choose how they get there, where they're traveling before and after. What makes that a bit challenging is that we know that international flight is one of the largest contributors of the overall emissions of their trips. But from 2020, um, the business has made the commitment to actually offset our customer flights. Wow. So yes, there are a lot of airlines that are providing that opportunity, but we already offset the emissions of their trips as well as our offices on their behalf. And we're going to go a step further so that anyone that is booking their flights through us will be able to offset their flights by investing in. We've got six uh, high standard renewable energy projects that we're investing in. Uh, and I think, uh, yeah, yeah. And as well, we also want to tie it back to looking at ways where, you know, we talked about the gender piece, but how can we, we know that in most destinations, women are really the, um, ones that hold the key, I think, to looking at ways that we can create better environmental impacts. So probably looking at a whole range of different initiatives and programs that we can kind of support and get rolling that will, um, I guess, create some better environmental impacts, but also tying in more with what the foundation's doing around livelihoods. Yeah, sure. I love this theme of going above and beyond. So you're not talking about being carbon neutral, it's about being, oh, sorry, climate neutral, it's climate positive. Um, I was recently at a conference with the, the guys from Buy One Give One and one of the speakers talked about how he doing a very similar thing is rather than just carbon offsetting his flights, he wanted to make them a positive, you know, so he's linked up with some some programs where he can do that and it's not about just doing what what breaks even, but let's go above and beyond. And I think everyone needs to that that's 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 working towards climate solutions. We we can certainly take this opportunity to take one, as you say, 125% of an outcome rather than just getting to 
that kind of baseline. So that's really inspiring to hear that it's doable at a, such a big business, then, you know, the, the SME entrepreneurs, we can make it happen as well and follow your example. So that's really cool. Um, so you are our speaker, one of our speakers at 17X in Melbourne. Um, you'll have 17 minutes to share your, uh, share your keynote. Um, it is the last stop for our event. I'm really excited to come down there. Um, do you want to give us a sneak peek on what you'll be chatting about? Sure. I guess I'll probably dig a little deeper. I highlighted that there are a few different goals that we are working towards supporting, but I think that little 17 minutes will be an opportunity to dig a bit deeper into that SDG number eight that I kind of highlighted, yeah. not just around the work that we do with the foundation, but also talking to a lot of the partnerships um, that we've created to create, I guess, unique experiences. A lot of the work that we've been doing around community-based tourism in some more, um, I guess, less traveled areas. Yeah. Um, and I'm aiming to be pretty transparent and highlighting some of the challenges and hurdles. You know, I think going to a lot of events, it's really great to hear businesses talking about all of their successes. Yeah. But I think where you get the most learnings is really talking about the hurdles and the challenges and, you know, how you overcame them or the learning. So yeah. that'll be an aim. But I'm really looking forward to the event. Yes, it's going to be great. Awesome to have you guys there. Um, so look, we're, we're getting close to the end of time, so I can let you get on with your the rest of your day. I'd love to finish on um, uh, just hearing from you around... Are there any brands that you're really inspired by right now that are in this space that are following your lead or that you're following them, either in Australia or internationally, it can be anyone, so that we can go and have a look at them? I think it's so exciting right now to see such a mix of different businesses, of big ones like Patagonia. Um, you know, Patagonia is really, has been leading in this space for quite a while. As a customer, um, I'm a huge fan of their products. It's taken me a little bit of time to convince my husband that, you know, their um, slightly more expensive price point is worthwhile. But I have stuff that I bought when I first went traveling back in the, you know, 2006, 2007 that I'm still using. But there's a lot of really cool things that they're doing that although they're a big business that's very successful, there's a lot of really cool stuff that they're doing that I think smaller businesses can learn from. I also think that there are so many very cool, innovative, up-and-coming brands uh, that are working in this space, especially in the fashion space. I know that you've interviewed Outland Denim, which is a really great one. I also think I've started to look more at the B Corp website, too, to highlight some of those different brands, especially as I approach um, this next chapter of becoming a mom, is trying to look for you know, businesses that are doing, that have some really great uh, products that are also sustainable in terms of their supply chain. Um, so yeah, B Corp, the B Corp website's been an interesting way to try and identify those businesses. But I also think internally, we don't always look to, and often don't look to really large uh, businesses necessarily. There's a lot of really great innovative things that small up and coming businesses are doing and I think because they've got the flexibility to try and be a bit more innovative and agile, um, that, yeah, it's an exciting space to see businesses growing. And that's where I also, from a staff perspective, there are people that I talk to that are interested in working in this space. And I always say, don't just be fixated on opportunities within travel, but look in other sectors. Yeah. Uh, because there's so much that's being done, even within energy companies like PowerShop, um, and other, you know, small, medium and large businesses that are doing really great things and that are really committed 
to creating opportunity for staff, but creating better products for their customers as well. Yeah, sure. And, uh, you know, nearly everyone that is on this uh, podcast when asking that question mentions Patagonia in some way or form. And I'm still working on getting them on the podcast. So Patagonia, I'm coming for you. <laughs> but, try, and snag Vincent, try and snag Vincent Stanley. So he was in Melbourne a few months ago. Um, and one of our staff, you know, we were reaching out to him and it was one of our staff, one of our, the head of our global creative team managed to shoot him an email after seeing him speak at an event cool. um, and got into a really great email exchange. But I just think with Patagonia, they are a big business, but even the way that they've set up their um, sort of philanthropy side, I didn't realize this until after, but their staff are heavily involved in selecting the kinds of initiatives that their business supports. Yep. So there's just a lot of really incredible things that they're doing as a company mm. that I think could be transferable to other businesses. Right. So anyone out there in podcast land, hook me up with Vincent Stanley. Let's do this. <laughs> um, well, look, very cool. Uh, we, look, we're at the end of time, so you can uh, get into your next meeting. So, um, you know, thank you so much for your time and sharing what's happening in Intrepid. It's fascinating to see it in a big scale. Um, and obviously, we'll be watching closely for your 2020 uh, targets around climate positive. That's awesome. And I really look forward to seeing you on stage in a few weeks time. Thank you so much for having me, Mick. I'm really looking forward to the event later this month. Cool. Awesome. Thanks, Liz. Great. Take care. Thanks. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for tuning in to the 17X podcast series. We do have our keynote speaking event currently touring the country. Uh, Brisbane is coming up in September and Melbourne in October. So if you're in either of those cities and love to come along and hear our great speakers, share with us how they're impacting the world through the SDGs. It'd be great to have you come along. Check out our website, 17sdg.com, that's 17 the word, for all the information about those two events. And be ready for our 2020 national tour as we kick off again. Wherever you're listening, it'd be great for you to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. And if you could leave us some feedback, that'd be great. Thanks again for listening. 